brands are fine. I have brands. You have like brands. That. Everyone have brands. But the human factor is what makes it work. And we will never, I will never have the firepower that Marvel, Disney, or Warner Brothers, or DC Comics have. Never. And I don't want that because it's not, it's not going to happen. But I have something for myself. I have me. You have you. And all the creators, talent is not duplicable. This is something that we have to show. There's no jealousy among creators when creators are in a good spirit. They, every, everyone is a fan of everyone. The comic book industry is extremely diverse, extremely welcoming, extremely inclusive because, because we're not afraid of each other are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell, from the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and I have the pleasure of having Fabrice Sobolski on the line with me today. Fabrice, are you there? Hi. Hi, Richard. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So glad to have you here. Where are you calling in from today? I am in Los Angeles, sunny LA. Los Angeles. And for those of you who are following along, we're still stuck in, uh, in Florida in our little piece of paradise for the, uh, the, the remainder of our crisis um, that we've been yeah. going through over the last few months. Um, yeah, so, uh, Fabrice, what I want to do, um, yeah, yeah, we're just sort of stuck. <laughs> so what I want to do is uh, introduce you real quick for those of our listeners who don't know who you are. So Fabrice was uh, born and raised in Paris with a passion for American comic books and R&B music, but that's another story. First, as a journalist, designer, editor, then a writer, and now artist and entrepreneur, you are the co-creator and writer of Marvel Comics Spider-Man Noir. Um, as well as several independent titles like Intertwined and One Hit Wonder. You went to the U.S. in 2015, first in New York City, then L.A., and you're championing, championing creators, and especially the immigrant creators like yourself. You founded Fair Square Comics, a comic book think tank in 2019, and you're developing numerous projects for all kinds of audiences. So it sounds like you got a lot of stuff going on. To start oh, off with, no why don't you idea. tell me what it is? <laughs> tell me what it is that you're known for. Right now, what is it that you actually help people do? Like who your customers are, that kind of stuff. Um, so um, I, I have. Where do I start? Um, first, the, the first thing that you have to know about me is like I'm mostly self-made. Like when I say mostly, it's like I graduated from uh, from uh, university uh, and I have a degree in history from the prestigious La Sorbonne University in Paris, uh, but I never used that, um, and uh, and I switched very early on my, in my career through um, uh, art and graphic design and, and journalism. And this is where, where I was. So I, for a long time, I was known for creating the premier magazine about American comics in my home country in France. It was called Comic Box. And it lasted for 19 years. So it was kind of 
kind of long. Um, nice. uh, but then, of course, uh, in, um, in 2008, the first issue of uh, Spider-Man Noir for Marvel Comics changed everything because I went from being on from one side of the velvet rope to the other side of the velvet rope and I became a professional creator and uh and it kind of put me on the path where that led me to change like my location and go from Paris to New York then LA um and talking to you today Awesome. And I was just pulling up Spider-Man Noir here on my, uh, on, on my tablet. So this is like, uh -huh. it's like the black, the, the black suit, um, Spider-Man that, uh, no. is that, is this, uh, this so right yes, this is me. My name is on the cover, by the way, <laughs> so you will see it. Um, yes, no, it's not the black suit Spider-Man because it, in, in comic book jargon, the black suit Spider-Man is what is now the Venom suit. Um, Spider-Man oh, Noir. Okay, so I was gonna say he, he's the one that was in the uh, the new Amazing Spider-Man movie, right? The uh, the guy correct. who uh, Nicholas Cage voiced him. Yes. Well, this is a this is a, a, a family friendly version of the character that I created, but yes, it is that Peter Parker. Um, and so in in two thousand eight, uh, Dave Hine and I we we co wrote this uh, this character that I came up with, and and then I went to Dave Hine and we developed it together from our comics. Um, and he's, he's a Spider-Man, but in the 1930s. And the, that changes everything because our Spider-Man was designed to be uh, socially conscious, uh, politically conscious, with a moral compass that is very different than any other superheroes. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot, a lot in this universe beyond just a person who deserves, who delivers justice. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, so what I want to find out from you is, um, is how you got started as an entrepreneur, right? We talk, um, you know, on this show all the time, every hero has their origin story. And as a yeah. comic book author, I'm sure you're intimately familiar with origin stories. So this is where you started to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them to help other people. So how did you yeah. get started on this journey of discovery and becoming an entrepreneur yourself? I don't know. Maybe being an entrepreneur is a beautiful curse. Um, just like every superhero has a curse. Uh, so my curse is that, yes, I'm an entrepreneur. And, and it started like very early when I was like 15 years old. I was like doing fanzines with my, with my brother and we were selling it at school. Uh, with the comics that we were creating and we were selling to other students. Uh, I guess this is the birth of my life as an entrepreneur, but like for the real uh, birth uh, of my uh, entrepreneur uh, life, uh, uh, I have to go back to 1998, so 22 years ago. Um, I, had, I was bored. I was, I was working in, in publicity and, 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 and I was an art director and I was bored with like publicity and, 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 and like, designing stuff for banks and, 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 and really administrative companies and, and insurers. And like, I mean, it's fine, but like there, there are more exciting ways of, of putting yourself out. And, um, and my grandmother um, gave me uh, some money uh, and it was my, uh, my inheritance money. But she said to me, I'm going to give it to you while I'm alive so I know you're spending it wisely. And of course, I didn't because I created my first company with that. Um, and that company was named, uh, yeah. was named TSC. 
and this is where I started my magazine, my uh, my magazine about uh, American comic books, because this this was my it was my first love. So I wanted to, and there was no there was no news magazine or professionally done magazine about American comics on the French market. So I thought it was a good idea, and it was a, it, it was not a blessing in disguise at all. It was hard every day. And after three years, I went bankrupt because yeah. uh, uh, one of the companies um, in that in that sector, in that field, uh, decided that we were a parasite. So they launched a competitor just to kill us. And uh, even though we remained um, uh, on top, like we, we were the, the number one uh, comic book magazine at the time, uh, we couldn't, we didn't have, we were like, we couldn't breathe anymore financially. And, and, and I had to. And I had to, uh, to, to go chapter 11. Uh, and, and I lost the company like a few months later. Uh, and then I did it again <laughs> a few years later. Uh, but this time, uh, not as a publisher, but as a, a packager. I was packaging magazines for third-party companies. And this is how I brought back my, my initial project, my, my magazine comic box. And I, and I developed a lot of activities around that as a packager working for other companies uh, and me and my team, we grew at one point to like 11, 12 people. So we were like a fairly uh, decent size uh, operation. Um, and after nine years, crisis hit 2009 and uh, we had to go bankrupt again. And, and the company was under administration for a few years. And then I was, it was never the same after. And, and, I, and I said like, look, I don't want to be in the magazine business anymore. Uh, what I really want to do uh, for the rest of my life is making comics. And the only way to do it is to move to the United States. And that's what I did. Um, and, uh, and, and so I started working for other, other people, first as an independent, um, then, then uh, an employee uh, with American companies. And then um, last year, I decided that it was really high time that I prioritized myself. And I created Fair Square Comics on the side while I was still employed. And of course, with uh, COVID and, and, and the financial and the, like everything collapsing in 2020, I was laid off. Uh, and, and now, of course, Fair Square Comics is my priority. So my own company is my priority because like, there's no other, there's no way to, to put myself out. It's just Fair Square Comics now. And Fair Square Comics is the publisher behind Spider-Man Noir? Is that no, correct? Not at all. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Spider-Man Noir is the property of Marvel Comics. And Marvel Comics is the property of DC. So um, uh, I have no rights over this. This is what we call a work for hire contract. So even though I created okay. the character, I created the character and, and I and I co-wrote his adventures and I even like designed a couple of characters myself uh, for a few years, uh, 13. Um, uh, Marvel owns every right. They don't have to consult me for anything. They're doing what they have to do. And, and I mean, they're, they're currently publishing the Spider-Man Noir series that I'm not involved with. And it's absolutely normal. This is how things work. And it's also why it was so important for me to create my own, uh, my own future, my own company, because developing other characters and characters that I own is also a way to uh, have my, leg my legacy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just curious because I'm not familiar with the industry at all. Since you wrote and co-created and co-wrote some of the comics, do you see any royalties from those, or or is it like a uh, you know you get paid for it once and it's over? Um, so I was paid a very very little 
uh, amount of money in advance. Um, and I've seen some royalties, but I can't say it's spectacular. Like it can't like grant you a, a good, a good restaurant on a date, on a date with your partner, uh, once in a while, but, but that's all. I mean, you can't really build, uh, anything with that. I mean, we're, we're not talking yeah. royalties for, for books or for, uh, uh, or for movies or, or for, or even for music, um, royalties in comics, especially with the, co the way my contract was shaped, uh, didn't bring me a lot. Yeah. Interesting. So now what is it that you primarily offer, um, as like products and services through your, your current, uh, the, the comic company you have now? So uh, first, I am uh, producing, as we speak, um, seven new comic books that I will either launch directly to the public and sold directly on my website or digitally through other platform or kickstart through, of course, Kickstarter, which has been like a, a weapon of choice for a lot of comic book creators because it, it helps bring a lot of money quickly. Um, and, um, and I also offer consulting to comic book company because I've, I've been, I've been an editor and, 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 a, and a professional for over 23 years. So all that knowledge, whether it's on the American market or in the, in, on the international markets, because I know everything that happens in Europe, I have contacts in Asia. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the, with the comic book scene all over the world. And I am, um, I am offering those services as a consultant to companies uh, if they have a need. Um, I also, um, um, because I have a vast network of talent, I can act as a talent scout um, or a talent manager. I have done that. And I offer portfolio reviews for, for, new, for new artists who want to break in. Um, I also like to uh, uh, give more information about the business and try to kind of... Uh, tell the truth because the problem is that there's there are a lot of fantasies around the the publishing industry or the comic book publishing industry and it's it's sometimes it's it's like really interesting to to say okay you think you know but but here's what's exactly happening here um and the other thing is that i'm trying to provide an experience that's different because i'm not american and and the american comics industry is kind of a bubble uh yeah. Uh, so uh, by bringing another type of experience and another type of, of because I was raised in another country, another set of, of, of references and, and, um, and, and, and a lot of nuances, um, bring something fresh to the table. Awesome. So in, in light of what it is that you do now, right? talk a little bit about your superpowers, right? And this is what you do or build or offer this world that really helps solve problems for people. The things you yeah. use to slay the world's villains. The way I've been framing it for my guests is like, if you look at all the skills that you've developed over the course of your entrepreneurial career, you probably have one skill, your zone of genius, so to speak, that really empowers and energizes the rest of your skills. What is yeah. that for you? Well, first, let me say that um, entrepreneurs are really superheroes because we are asked to master about every thing possible. <laughs> we have to be good at accounting, at marketing, at SEO, at, at production, at, at driving a truck, at, 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 at cleaning a house or, or, or a factory, at, at everything artistic. We have to be good at everything. So I guess like we are, we are the Superman and superwomen of, of, our, of our world. 
as entrepreneur. That being said, I think my own superpower is that um, I, uh, I never give up. Like every time I get hit, I come back on the ring and, and I fight back. And, and that I've learned, I've learned that this is a superpower. It's like being resilient, being resistant is a superpower itself because you get bruised a lot. You get bruised a lot, but you, by, by not giving up, you're showing the world that your voice deserves to be heard. Yeah, absolutely. And the whole idea of never giving up is such an important um, aspect, right? And I, I tell people all the time, and it's like, you can't compete with me because I'll work you under a table, right? And that's the way a lot of entrepreneurs are, is, yeah. you know, the, that, um, you know, never, ever, 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 ever give up. And it doesn't matter, like you had mentioned already, you've been through bankruptcy twice, and yet you still came back yeah. from both of those and created a successful comic book line in Marvel Comics, and you got a comic business going now. Um, and, you know, not a lot of people are willing to continue past the first failure or two or three or four um, to grow a business. So that's a, it's a huge, huge asset to and, have and also, that kind of tenacity. And, and also, I think when, when you're starting your first company, you're afraid of bankruptcy. You're afraid of a lot of things. But like, I have to say, my first bankruptcy was kind of a liberation because I understood that it was not my fault. It was just that. It happened at a time, and I was young. I was like 30. So um, it, it happened at a time where I needed a slap in the face to remind myself that the world was bigger than just me and my family. And of course, I was, it was disastrous financially. And a lot of entrepreneurs are losing, 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 not counting the money that we lose. We lose invest so much compared to what we get. But the thrill of going out there with our own products, defending our own ideas, and and doing something with our lives, with our like ten fingers, and like okay, this is this is me, this is what I did, this is what I created, and I'm going to give it to people. And I always say that because I mean, of course, with COVID, everything is different now. But I've toured extensively since I came to the United States. I've I've covered over sixty comic book conventions where I meet people directly and where I sell or promote my art or my comics. And I will, I will tell it to everybody. Audience never lies. Never. And it's, and it's, and it's a beautiful thing. When you talk to the public, if the public doesn't want to see you, they, they're not seeing you. But once you get them, you have them. And they were not buying, they are not buying your product. They are buying you, us entrepreneurs so we have to put ourselves out we have to show our faces we have to show who we are we have to tell our stories for a long time i was like very shy i wouldn't tell my story now i'm telling my story everywhere because this is what people want to hear they want a human contact they just don't want a random company that's just a brand i i have this hashtag that i'm like working on like creators over brands brands are fine i have brands you have like brands, that. everyone have brands, but the human factor is what makes it work. And we will never, I will never have the firepower that Marvel, Disney, or Warner Brothers, or DC Comics have, never. And I don't want that because it's not, it's not gonna happen. But I have something for myself. I have me, you have you, 
and all the creators, talent is not duplicable. This is something that we have to show. There's no jealousy among creators when creators are in a good spirit. They, every, everyone is a fan of everyone. The comic book industry is extremely diverse, extremely welcoming, extremely inclusive because, because we're not afraid of each other. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's a, a huge gift to the world. It's, uh, it's very true. One of the things that I talk about in my business is building heroic brands. Um, and what's interesting, the, the whole idea of a heroic brand is it's a brand that is based around a human story, yes. right? Um, and that's what makes the brand a heroic brand. And exactly. Um, even if you get into bigger companies, right, if they don't learn how to tell the human story behind their company, it's very difficult for them to be successful, especially so today. Um, well, unfortunately, it, we live in a world where it's very hard to to kind of uh, of of, of uh, uh, really tell what's right and what's wrong, and who who are the good guys and who are the bad guys. But actually, when you look at how companies have been built in the past century, when a new member comes, he he or she comes, they come with their with with their own network, with their own sensibilities. If these people are left alone and work with their own sensibilities, with their own moral compass, uh, with their own methods, and they're not like completely watered down or, or, or by the company they're working in, it will work. Because, I mean, I, this is another thing that I say all the time is that the companies that succeed are the companies that put common sense before process. Too many companies are putting process before everything because of fear. And, and common sense is something that, I mean, we shouldn't even have to tell it. We shouldn't have to say that. Like, common sense is common sense. Like, you see a situation, you adapt. It should adapt. be common. <laughs> it, it should be common. And it, yes, but it's not. And, and, and too many companies forget that. And you shouldn't forget that you're a human being. We're not always rational. We will make mistake, but we're always trying to get to the from point A to point B to the best of our abilities and to the best of our knowledge. And now a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand 
almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. My next question for you then is the opposite of your superpower, right? The, the flip side of that coin, and you know from developing superheroes, every superhero has their fatal flaw, just like Superman has his kryptonite. And I'm curious, what is, before we get into this, what is Spider-Man Noir's fatal flaw? So Spider-Man Noir is this very special character because, um, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he's mentors were kind of screwed up. <laughs> yeah. Kind of insane. Um, he, he's uh, his latest mentor uh, before this person was uh, uh, met his creator, uh, met his maker, uh, was, uh, was a drug addict and, and with questionable methods. Um, so Spider-Man Noir's flaw is probably that he, he has a, a very um, uh, black and white sense of justice. There's no shades of gray. He is like, you're good or you're not. And, um, and he will go to sometimes extreme measures to deliver justice. Um, and I think yeah. that's uh, because he's also young. I mean, at least in the story as I've written, I mean, I can't speak for what, what has been done after me, but like the way... Dave Hine and myself have written the character. Peter Parker is this 18-year-old kid who has this immense power and, and, and now has the possibility to make a difference in a very unfair world in 1932 with a huge crisis. And, and he's been raised by uh, his uncle and his aunt. And in the, in the story, they're communists running a shelter. So he also has this very socialist way of thinking. And that's our Spider-Man. So you can't really put it, him in the same basket as the other character because, because he's simply different. His upbringing is different. The way he says the world is different. He will always root for the weak, and he was always root for the people who need him. Awesome. So with that sort of like framing for our discussion, the fatal flaw for your business is something that you've struggled with to grow your business over the years. Yeah. Um, that you sort of, you know, constantly had to fight against yourself. And I think more importantly than what it is, is how have you worked on it for other entrepreneurs who might suffer from the same fatal flaw that you've had? Like for me, it's always been perfectionism. And I use that perfectionism as an excuse to not ship products, right? And I'll, you know, procrastinate and things like that. And I've had to work on that over the years. So yeah. what is that for you? It's definitely not perfectionism. And let me tell you why. Because when you are in the press, you have to, and, you, and, and you're, in, you're in a fast train that cannot stop. Every issue replaces the previous one, and you have to ship on time. So between an issue that is not perfect and an issue that will come out and make money, you will choose the issue that will come out and make money because that is the priority. You have to put the product out. So I will never say perfectionism. That doesn't mean that we, have, we, don't, we don't have to fight for it. We're fight for it. 
we'll fight for it. We'll try every month to do better than the previous one. But shipping on time, delivering product, very important. The second thing is, uh, and, and I, I really think that the, the challenge in, in my industry, in the creative industry, is really to have, and especially now where there are, there's, so much, there's so much out there, there's, there's so many comics, there, there, like, there are so many different publishers and, and different flavors. I guess the problem is to get your voice heard. It's really, it's really hard because social networks can sometimes be very disappointing because you, you're throwing something out there. You don't know what the others are doing. Sometimes it's not the right time. Sometimes it's not the right moment. And, and, and you're disappointed because you bet a lot, you invested a lot in something and it doesn't work. Last year, I did a Kickstarter campaign. I failed. For the first time, I failed. And I rethought completely my process. I retro-engineered the way I, I, I was doing that Kickstarter campaign and why I failed. And, and, I, and when I failed, I realized that most of the people that would have invested on my Kickstarter didn't even see it. So I guess when you're an independent and you don't have, again, the firepower of a big company, is to exist, is to, to show that you're there. Because people, if they don't see you, they forget who you are. They forget you even exist. And the attention span of a, of a consumer right now is extremely short. So we have to be constantly True out that. there. Yes, we have to be constantly out there. And the challenge when you're a, a small boutique independent publisher like I am um, is to, to have people interested constantly, keep them coming back, coming with new ideas. We know that the bigger companies don't have to do this because they've been established for like decades. They have the advantage of being just there. They control the distribution. They control a, a lot of things. They have more money. They have more everything. How do you do? You don't have access to that. And on top of this, I'm an immigrant. I'm never going to be in pole position. I'm always to, going to be the underdog. I'm always going to be the, the person who comes after the other. Not that it's a good or a bad thing, it's just that. It's, it's harder being a, an immigrant entrepreneur in America. But, but let me tell you, even when I was in my own country, I was not an immigrant, but I'm a minority. And it was, and it was also difficult because you are fighting against a system that is already established and doesn't need you and doesn't want you. So how do you, how do you make the difference? Yeah, so you have to you have to step in and actually find a way to both get attention and then try to provide value. Exactly, and you also have to have advocates. Maybe you will be one of my advocates tomorrow. We also have to have advocates that that believe in us, that will like say, okay, well, this person looks interesting or sounds interesting. Maybe we should like listen to what they have to say. Maybe we should read what they have to to offer. Maybe they, we should like try to do business with these people. And that's what I'm counting on. Because like, look, I, I can speak your language. Can you speak mine? We had so much fun in this episode. We had to break the episode into two parts. Check back next week for part two of this exciting conversation.